Hi everyone, welcome to the Cloud Architects podcast, a podcast about cloud, technology and the people using it. Welcome everyone, Nicholas Blank here with my co-host Chris Goosen at Microsoft Ignite. Hello. For more information on this episode, as well as a list of our other episodes, visit us on the web at thearchitects.cloud. This podcast is brought to you by Kemp Technologies. We chose Kemp as a sponsor based on their amazing product line for the cloud, which includes the Kemp Loadmaster appliance in the Microsoft Azure Marketplace, as well as Kemp 360 family. For more information, go to kemptechnologies.com. We're at Ignite with Wonder Laura, and we're sitting at the Community Day booth, and every day of the week is Community Day. So we want to formally welcome you to the show. Welcome, Laura. Hello, it's good to be here. So t tell us about yourself. I know we, we know you as Wanda Laura. You have a, a fairly strong uh, social following as Wanda Laura. I, I, I admit I don't even know what your last name is. My name's Laura Rogers. I thought it was Laura. <laughs> Laura, Laura. <laughs> no, I thought your first name was Wanda. <laughs> Um, I have my own uh, SharePoint training company called IW Mentor, and I uh, do have an exchange background. Yeah. I don't know uh, if you guys knew that. That's how that's I started wonderful. Out. That's wonderful. So tell us about this better product. <laughs> well, so back in the day when I was an exchange admin, I started off exchange at 5.5 in oh, 2000, yeah. and I had my MCSC with, you know, the messaging and all that stuff. Um, I was on the messaging and collaboration team. So it involved Exchange and Writebacks and Office Communicator, oh, remember that? Yes. And yeah. uh, they, SharePoint came along and they threw it at us and said, hey, this we'll just categorize this in your team. Yeah. You guys go figure it out, go learn it. And I think SharePoint is much more fun than Exchange, I came to find. <laughs> You're gonna have to quantify that because as far as we're concerned, Exchange is the most empowering product on the planet. So how does SharePoint become more fun? And I think that's, that's part of the reason why we're so excited to talk to you because we're a couple of uh, infrastructure guys, we're exchange guys that are now in this new cloud world with Office 365 and we're seeing this kind of integration of all these productivity tools into, into the service, right? And we look at SharePoint and we go, oh my goodness, that is, that is scary. Yeah, yeah. Right, so it, with products like Exchange, you have server admins and you, you install it, you roll it out and people just start using their email. But with SharePoint, they kind of tried to do the same thing. We installed SharePoint on some servers and rolled it out. But the only SharePoint people were us, the SharePoint admins. They're, they're, now we have all these different roles, the business yeah. analysts and the adoption people and the you know, end user. Anyway, we didn't have any of that. So yeah. I kind of took it upon myself. I, I was just a server admin, but I really discovered that I love SharePoint. And then I got kind of bored with all the backups and the logs and the things that server admins do. And I found myself actually talking to end users more just throughout, it was a healthcare company that I worked at, mm -hmm. and helped them build their sites, put the web parts on the pages, build some old workflows and info path forms for them. And I found that I really enjoyed that part of it a lot more, working with just using out of the box tools, I'm not a developer. And uh, that, so that part to me was more fun, figuring out the logic of the business processes. Okay, and I think that's what you just said there, that's kind of also key, right, is when we think SharePoint, we automatically think customization, yeah. and we automatically go, oh, code, right? Um, and so you were saying there's, there's, a, there's ways to do this without actually having to write code. Right, and even, I mean, this was back in SharePoint 2003, 2007. 
code is not required for SharePoint at all. It never has been. So when you find something in SharePoint that SharePoint doesn't do out of the box, then you go write code to do that specific thing. But so what I like about all kind of all the latest innovations, the modern pages and, and things like that, and the things that have been uh, announced this week, is that Microsoft, especially with the whole modern look, with just modern lists and libraries, they really have been simplifying it for just the typical end user, just like Joe, Betty, you know, sitting at their desks trying to get their work done, just productivity, because they made it so easy to just add a column or just throw something into list or library. Everything's just much more obvious and easy. So all the things that they announced this week have even increased that. Before we go to the announcements, and the announcements have been a bit of a fire hose this week. It's rained announcements. I want to take a step back to, we have the average IT guy or girl and all of a sudden there's SharePoint and I've, I have to do something with this. I have no idea where to start. So let's assume I'm in Office 365, I go to the admin console and oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm looking at, so I'll close that. And I'll go to SharePoint site, I think it's a site, is it a team site? There's all these words and then there's a my site which has become a OneDrive and I think that's easier because a OneDrive is the home drive replacement, I think, right? So there, there's all these, where do I start? And then they have their words like governance and taxonomy. Oh, even before we start with that, because yes, we do want to go there, and, <laughs> but let's just talk from an IT pro point of view, right? So the IT pro and uh, Exchange is the thin edge of the wedge. So let's assume as you had, you have a messaging background, which we commend you for. But now you have to wrestle with the SharePoint beast. Where do you even begin? Well, yes, you're right. There are all these concepts like governance and adoption, and you, you need to plan it and have teams of people planning it. But if you're just a small company, you just are managing your Office 365 console, and you just need to know what, what you're looking at, what to do. The thing to know now, it's been confusing in the past. The thing to know now going forward pertaining to all the announcements this week is that it's really going toward every everything being Office 365 groups. And Office 365 group is also a team site can also have a Teams team attached to it, and it has all of your conversations and all of your files, so it is the one thing that you would have for a project or a team of people. So the idea now that they've simplified even that IT perspective is that you just create an Office 365 group anytime you need to have a set of people collaborating, and there's this new thing called a hub that they announced that you would just say which sites are going to roll up to this hub like a department. Okay. So these are all the sites that fall under that department. And so they've made that a lot more simple. So you don't really have to worry about your site collections and, yeah. and your subsites and that architecture because everything's just going gonna to be flat. Everything's just going to be an Office 365 group, flat structure, and you use your hub to organize it. Does that mean that I don't even have to worry about what a team site is as long as I know how to create a group, which is actually fairly simple? That is correct now going forward, yes, because they've kind of, they've merged that all together. I still am old school. I still get I'm in the habit of just creating, you know, site collections and team sites and things like that, but it's a shift that we're making. That's interesting. And 
one of the announcements I think that uh, that we saw was well, there were a couple that that seem to be really big in the SharePoint world. One that um, the SharePoint conference is is coming back, and we'll we'll get to that in a second because a lot of us Exchange guys are pretty jealous of that. Um, the other one um, is SharePoint Server on premises. Uh, are you guys are you expecting any big changes uh, in the new version? Have they talked There's about it? There's going to be a SharePoint Server 2019. That is so yeah. exciting because. When 2016 came out, they said that was the last one, and yep. they have come to the realization that they have a lot of on-premises customers that are going to stay on-premises, so yep. they're going to keep developing that product. So they do have what's called feature packs. So, for example, feature pack two for SharePoint 2016 just came out. It has the modern look. So all these fun modern look things that we're seeing online, they have that now. Okay, so talk to me again as the, the IT pro. I've, I've just heard a bunch of things, and I, I think that sounds... Pretty simple, I can get into groups, and groups kind of means SharePoint as well, right? But now, I may have to be a little bit more formal as a larger organization, and I have to embrace this taxonomy thing, and how does that apply to SharePoint Online, and can I even do SharePoint Online effectively without taxonomy? Well, technically, you can do SharePoint without taxonomy, but again, it's going to really just be the hubs and having And what does taxonomy even mean? <laughs> the taxonomy is kind of like think about like just your navigational structure and how people get around in their site and how things are organized and categorized i didn't mention the OneDrive though a few minutes ago when you were talking about sort of the admin perspective yeah get this the OneDrive, it's just sharepoint yeah it's just a document <laughs> library <laughs> so the OneDrive is just each person's own personal like your you know, like your H drive at work, that's what it is. So hopefully that's going to be replacing a lot of those. And your OneDrive goes with you, and it has an app. And it's that, that's where your personal files are. And you can easily move them from the OneDrive to a team site, then to start collaborating on them. Speaking of OneDrive, um, there are sometimes I think the marketing terms get a little bit uh, mixed up because obviously people think of OneDrive as the client on the desktop. Uh, there's libraries that can synchronize down from SharePoint themselves. And, uh, and then there's this personal OneDrive space. So, uh, you know, I think... Being able to kind of understand what OneDrive is and defining it is quite is quite important sometimes. Uh, it definitely. Um, just know that a SharePoint li document library and a SharePoint site is a document library. Your OneDrive is also a document library, and the OneDrive for Business Sync client can sync down your OneDrive and any document library down to your hard drive. Yeah. So hopefully that clarifies that. Clarifies the it. many things that are OneDrive for business. So. There's been a lot of news about Teams this week, and of course, there's a SharePoint application. Do you want to unpack that for us for a bit? Teams is a nice, pretty front-end desktop product and mobile product that has Skype for Business behind the scenes for the instant messaging, and it has SharePoint behind the scenes for, scenes for the file sharing. So it's really a nice, just easy user interface for people to be able to interact with those products and share files and not have to go to all those different places. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm hearing you say, as you mentioned these things, is that SharePoint effectively becomes the glue. We don't have to embrace this scary beast of SharePoint because it does so many things for us under the hood, and that can manifest as a, a OneDrive or as an Office 365 group. It's part of Teams. So even though we have SharePoint empowering a whole bunch of things. I don't have to embrace the complicated side of SharePoint as an administrator. Is that right? 
Well, as an administrator, you're going to need to worry about permissions and, and security and things like that. And so what is that? You don't just set it and forget it. I mean, you, yeah. need to, you do need to plan some of that because you don't want to have a site set up and people think that they're collaborating securely and then, oops, accidentally, it's a public, every, anyone can join it group. Yeah. So you, you have to have the knowledge and understanding and have those things in place correctly. Yeah. They did simplify permissions a little bit. You have owners and members, and the owners can uh, assign, you know, add members. But still, inherently, there's still the actual SharePoint permissions, that good old-fashioned permission screen that we're used to, where you can give people exactly what roles and groups of people what roles they need to be able to do in that site. Yeah. And even, you know, give document libraries and list their own permissions. So it helps to understand that and understand really who can get to what. So people don't accidentally, even if they don't navigate to a site that they uh, aren't supposed to be on or because they don't see it in their navigation, they could accidentally do a SharePoint search and find content in a site that they have access to that they didn't, somebody didn't mean to give them access to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something that I've come across in, in my customer base is... Um, so we'll, we'll try this thing, it's called OneDrive, and we'll see what people do with it. And all of a sudden we're finding that, oh my goodness, we're doing anonymous sharing, and we didn't intend to do it. So how, how do we ring fence that, and how do, we, how do we understand this new world of, well, I'm going to give SharePoint to a user and see what they do with it, but is this something that I can switch off as administrator? Can I control this stuff? You can control the level of sharing for the external people, and uh, you can't control it as much. They, Microsoft has really tried very hard to allow members of sites to be able to share things, so there are things yeah. you have to do to go out of your way to make it so that members can't share. Yeah. But the external sharing, you have a lot of controls at the tenant level and at the um, at different site collection levels as to whether people can externally share. So that is definitely something to go research and get your head around. Okay. So um, let's talk about customization on, on SharePoint. Um, a, lot of, a lot of customers that, uh, that I've worked with in the past possibly come from a, you know, an, an on-premises world where they've taken the product that has been installed and they've seen it as a baseline. And from there, they've just poured development hours into customizing it. Is that a good idea when you work in Exchange Online? I mean, I, what, what do you see in that space? Do, are people doing that? Well, historically, it's been the sort of the best practice has been just customize if you, you know, whatever you absolutely need to if it doesn't exist out of the box. Now in SharePoint Online, things like branding, master pages, and things like that have been sort of uh, sketchy because then Microsoft makes a change, moves a button from here to there, and then branding breaks. So that's something that people have been doing a lot less of and doing a lot more of like front end, like JavaScript, that kind of thing. Um, and then as far as custom development, the direction they went is to develop apps from the, that you can install from the SharePoint store. So there really isn't this, uh, you know, installing things globally from, you know, in the at the farm level kind of concept that used to exist. Um, but just the general rule is just to make sure you understand what SharePoint can do out of the box before you throw a bunch of developers at SharePoint because I've, that's just the biggest thing that I've seen, problem that I've seen is that people just, are, they're reinventing the wheel and they're mm. developing something that it already does. It's just, oh, what if, if you would have just turned the setting on, then. I've certainly seen um, customers spend a bunch of time on customizing the look and feel of SharePoint Online and then the next day there's an update and uh, yeah. all of a sudden the button is no longer there or something overwrites the button and you can't actually. Or you know. CSS just revises and 
Microsoft tells you, you better fix it or it will break. Yeah. yeah, just pretty much don't do that. I've I've avoided it as much as possible. And they did announce some new theme colors, and they are going that direction with the what exists out of the box so mm. that you don't have to try and mm. do master pages are for the classic mm -hmm. view. They're not for modern pages. So we're moving away from that. I think that's really good guidance. We've seen a radical shift over the last couple of years with the, the cadence that Microsoft has. We, we've gone away from every three years to sometimes seeing updates every two weeks within the greater platform. It's exhausting. How do you make that practical? And if I'm a customer, how do I deal with it? Let alone we are consultants in the messaging space and we battle to keep up. What is your feeling on that? It's exhausting. I mean, it's, uh, I have a training company and I'm creating training content and yeah. I am going back through and, you know, changing screenshots and uh, altering, you know, adding things into my training videos. It's one of those things that it helps that I'm in SharePoint and working in SharePoint all day and, yeah. you know, doing consulting and things like that because I notice things pretty quickly. But uh, it is just, it is a lot. And they, they have added, uh, so in the message center in Office 365, they, instead of just the admins having access to the message center and getting the messages, now they've opened it up more to general people being able to kind of know what the hell is going on in there and yeah. what's and what updates have happened. So they're, they've, they, they're improving their messaging around that. So hopefully that will be beneficial. And how much time do you spend on the roadmap? So for, for our listeners who may not know this, Microsoft has the Office 365 roadmap site, and we have at least a quarterly view in terms of what is coming out, and sometimes even a, a longer view. We've just interviewed a, a Microsoft customer where the customer themselves spend a, a lot of time in the roadmap, even to the point of reviewing it formally every two weeks for changes. Wow. Yeah. I, uh I glance at it every now and then and will tweet out things that are, you know, big things that are coming out that apply to sort of my audience, but I don't study it on a regular basis or anything like that. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty much most of us who are trying to drink from the, the Microsoft fire hose. There is just so much going on. Yes, and even like some little things a lot of the times that they'll change in the user interface, just kind of change the verbiage on a button or things yeah. like that that I noticed, those aren't in the message center. Those aren't on the, on the roadmap. Those just appear. Yeah, and you would notice those if you're doing training material that has specific instructions on, you know, click the OK button, and now the OK button says, you know. Apply or something. Or go, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. What, before we let you go, what would you, how do, how do the listeners find you? What do you want to plug? Um, I know you said you had a training company. Do you want to talk more about that? Um, you know, how do people get in touch with you? My blog is wonderlaura.com, and my training company is iwmentor.com, and I even have has subscription-based courses, and I have some free courses that anyone can go uh, create an account and go check them out. Well, thank you very much again for, uh, for spending some time with us. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You can find me, Nicholas, on the Twitter at Nicholas Blank, as well as Facebook and LinkedIn. I blog at blankmanblog.com. I'm also on Twitter at Chris Goosen, or you can visit my blog, cgoosen.com. Our show is on Facebook at facebook.com slash thearchitects.cloud, and our website, as before, thearchitects.cloud. Our Twitter handle at thecloudarch.